I, I maybe I did play at least a little bit too much. Oh, Judas Priest! You won't hear us playing Judas Priest, but you will be hearing an entertaining sports show with myself, Frank, and David the Man of God Harris on WSUT's After Further Review, airing Saturdays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and throughout the week with our replay 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. on Toledo's only alternative and your on-campus radio station, 88.3 WXUT. After further review, as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. (laughs) He is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Finally did an NFL pick'em, an NHL power play from Frank Vashner, and now we got David the Man of God's Harris's uh, segment: winners and losers of college and pro football week four for the NFL, and I believe week five of college football. And uh, David, as always, you know you're always bringing it, bringing the heat for us here on 88.3 WXUT. Uh, always like appreciate what you do for us. Not a problem. Always got to give the people what they want. As Jalen Rose likes to say. That's right. It will give you the applause. So you said you're doing your, your winners and losers here. Um, just wondering, uh, uh, what do you got going on here? There are just a couple of keys. Obviously, we have to give a shout-out to some wild performances and... Horrible quarterback play, good quarterback play, and then, of course, the big college story of the week. But starting off with the winners, this week's edition of Winners and Losers, shout out to the Chicago Bears, and specifically Mitchell Trubisky. Like, like where did that come from? Yeah, that's kind of a shot in the dark <laughs> kind of thing. I, I'm not, that's a good, a great game, but I'm still, I still want to see some more from him. I mean, six touchdowns, like granted a lot of them were, you know, just a dick and dunk and receivers did the rest of the way. But yeah, I think everyone, when he came out of college, we were all like, okay, one-year starter at North Carolina, not the biggest school in the world, not the best football school. A lot of doubt, especially after, you know, last year's campaign coming into this season. I mean, is it one of those instances where... It was a you know poor defense that he was playing against. Is this kind of that special glimpse that we just see once or twice a season? I don't know, but I mean, if he can be consistent, obviously not everyone's going to throw six touchdowns in a game. This is in high school, like at least three or four in a game. Uh, the uh, thing, well, David, your phone. Where are you at, man? You, the, the the phone deal is really annoying. Uh, but with Trubisky, what makes me mad is this. There's a guy named Patrick Mahomes that's really killing it. 
And the Bears gave up a little bit to get Trubisky. And you're seeing what Mahomes is doing. Now, it could be the system he's in in Kansas City. But the old coach that was with Kansas City, old offensive coordinator, is over with the Bears now. But Trubisky looked pretty good. But I'm still a little worried because in that Packers game, once again, they kind of played a little bit of, I wouldn't say stall ball, but kind of conservative ball with him. And that's that's a concern for me, I guess, for me. That's just me. Well, and you, you bring up Matt Nagy, and a lot of people were kind of questioning and wondering when you made that transition to head coach, what kind of scheming he would do and kind of what his game plan would look like. And so if this is... If he's going to treat Mitchell Trubisky the same way that he did Alex Smith, and we saw limited success here or there with Alex Smith, maybe this is going to be more of a consistent trend, maybe? But I don't know. I, I still think, you know, one game, you got to give him his props, give him his due, and say, hey, congratulations, Mr. Trubisky. You're actually playing like a decent quarterback. Mm, okay. Yeah. All right. Continuing on with the winners, of course you got shout out action the Mac Love in that Chicago game. Khalil Mack continuing to dominate the NFL. And hold on, David, 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 David. Hold on, David. You, you there? Hold on, we're having technical, David. Yep. David, what's going on, man? The, the phone is it's going in and out. Are you moving around? Are you in a building where there's a signal being dropped? No, I'm I'm stagnant. I haven't moved. Okay, because your phone it, it's it's real bad. Um, let's see here. Uh, try this. All right, so say what you just said because you we, we it was about a good thirty seconds we missed on you. All right. So I was I was saying that gotta give love. To the Maction and the Mac, because again, people disrespecting the Mac, not knowing the quality of talent that comes out of the Mid American Conference. That is true. And and three players in particular, starting with our, of course, our boy Kareem Hunt, who continues to surprise everyone and saying, "Oh, look at this second rounder. Where did he come from?" It's like if you watch any Mac game, like we we knew Kareem Hunt was a bona fide. Mm-hmm. For a while now, like wake up. Another name, Corey Davis scored the winning touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yes, he had some injury problems last year, but again, you know, Corey Davis, pretty good wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And then the big one, Khalil Mack, which people are saying, where did he come from? We didn't know. Commentators on on the mothership saying, oh, this was unexpected. No one saw this coming. It's like again. We saw Khalil Mack in college. Like he was the only reason Buffalo football was relevant. That is like, true. That is true. Like we knew he was going to play on Sundays. You, all you had to do is to see one game of him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, gotta give Mack some love. Give him some shout outs. Well, and, but also, but also though, David, let's be honest. He was a two star recruit, and he was at Buffalo, and and. and even people would say, "Well, how did the Bills pass up on him if he was in their their backyard?" So, I mean, almost everybody passed up on him. I mean, you know, we can't blame everybody. But hey, I'm glad he's a Chicago Bear, though. Yeah, because he's making both John Gruden mad and 
Versus, uh, I don't know how he's making Madden. John Gruden mad uh, because John Gruden was the one that got, you know, pretty much got rid of him. So, I mean, like I said, John Gruden, I thought that was a mistake he did that. But, hey, it is what it is. Yeah. So, continue on with the winners. Got to give a shout-out to another basketball, traditional basketball school that's top 15 in the country in college football, and that's the University of Kentucky. Like, where did that come from? Like, when you think SEC football, you think your Alabamas, you think your Auburn, you think your LSU, Florida for a while. Mm-hmm. Kentucky, like, Kentucky football was like, yeah, we're okay. But, like, they're undefeated. Like, they're legitimate for a decent bowl game. And no one in Lexington saw that coming. Like, right. nobody. Not football coaches, not the AD, not the players. Like, it just goes to show you, this season is just going to be wild wacky that we've had two perennial college basketball powerhouses as nationally ranked football teams. Mm-hmm. And then sticking with the college to wrap up the winners, University of Notre Dame, kind of a traditional powerhouse in terms of football, but really this year redefining themselves with strong quarterback play, with strong defense, really, and what I thought was kind of the second biggest game of last weekend, really manhandling Stanford in a way that was utterly surprising, to be honest. And if Notre Dame can just continue to play that way and not have any major slip-ups like we've seen in recent years, Notre Dame has a potential shot of getting into the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. And from there, playoffs, anything can happen. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. And now, switching over to losers, and we'll stick in college for a little bit to start off. First, we have to give a loser to Clemson. We saw this coming. We said on the show this week, what happened? What's going to happen? Trevor Lawrence is going to get hurt, and he's going to need to come out the game, and you're going to want a veteran quarterback. And there, he's been there before to quiet the noise. Like Ryan's already transferred. They bring in a third-string quarterback. He leads the team to victory. But it, it, the script was already written the second that he transferred. And so now you have a quarterback with you know, a neck injury to the two freshmen. Like, and as we've seen, neck injuries can go either way. Uh-huh. So for all the hype of Trevor Lawrence, now Aladabo Clooney has put all of his eggs in this Lawrence basket. Like, he better hope that the Clemson medical staff like they can make sure that he doesn't have another serious injury to that upper body. One more, one more good shot or one kind of physical shot, like that could be it for football, not just the season. I don't know. The next loser, Penn State. You lost your, you lost the game, and I understand, and I respect James Franklin coming out and saying at the end. You know, play callings on him, but I mean, if your if your quarterback is destroying your defense, the opposing team's defense, and you're on the fourth and five, like you don't 
I just want to know who gave the go-ahead to think that it was okay for them to call a read option, or any option for that matter. Like, even even in Madden, like, when they give you suggested plays, there is never a read option in that instance. And it's just like, now because of a poor play call, not only are your chances of winning the division gone, chance of winning the playoffs gone, I mean, this could, and this raises a couple of questions in terms of play calling experience. Is this kind of going to be a blip in terms of play calling, or is it a trend? I understand Ohio State and Penn State have had three competitive games in the, over the past three seasons, but like that, that's a game Penn State should have won. And I'll give Ohio State credit and people here in Columbus, obviously, you know, to their own horn saying, oh, my God, we're the greatest thing in the Big Ten. It's like... And the last, at least in terms of college, the last story for the losers, Jimbo Fisher. And I hinted at this earlier in the week on Twitter. But we want we want to treat these players like adults, but then we want to treat them like kids. And then it's like, well, if you put your hands on a kid, then it's not. I honestly don't care if the kid says that he's okay with it, because it's not just him. It's it's a thing that's happened, and we've probably seen or people have seen it behind closed doors. But what gets me is that. One, you should never put your hands on a kid. I don't care what sport we're playing. I don't care whether it's a freshman, redshirt, senior, graduate, transfer. Like, like, you are a grown adult. Never put your hands on a kid. This is not the Bob Knight era. This is not the Woody Hayes era. And then for all the old heads that are trying to defend the say, oh, kids are getting soft. Like, no, I'm, I'm sorry that when you were growing up and playing football in the 80s and 90s, you guys were running, you know, four days. 90 degree heat with no water True. and then playing with you know, like playing physical games like that that's why there's so many players with DD because of the physicality of the sport when these old heads were playing the football game back when the game wasn't quote unquote saw like we're trying to think about player safety and you know, like times have changed people like some of the stuff that worked in the 80s and 90s ain't working with these kids. And it's not the kids, it's the culture of football. It's football itself. And so if if it's thought for people to be outraged that a head coach puts his hand on a kid, whether it's a face mask or physically grabbing the kid, like, no. Like, don't do that. Like, it's not simple. Yeah, with this nowadays and stuff, you can't. I, I think everyone needs to keep their hands in themselves. Parent, I mean, Kids and coaches, you know, alike should just keep their hands to themselves. And you're right, it, back just because it happened back then doesn't mean it's acceptable now. And 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 that's just the way the sport has evolved. I mean, you you can't do the stuff that Bobby Knight was doing back in the day. I mean, you just can't. And if you are a coach doing that, then you need to, you need to not be coaching sports. I mean, you're, you're a teacher and a mentor. You know, you're not supposed to be physically abusing the kids. And I do understand the heat of battle. 
I, I totally understand that, but you can't you, you can't put your hands on the kids at all. I mean, I understand it. You get upset, but that's where, as an adult and being the coach and the mentor and being an authority figure, where you got to kind of calm down and say, "All right, you know, I can't be doing this." And think about it, Woody Hayes for doing that got fired. Bobby Knight yeah. putting his hands got fired. So the, the the eventual you know repercussion of it, the 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 coaches lost their jobs, and and obviously they had enough good. I guess to so to speak to to um, uh, overshadow those mistakes that they made, but I see it still though. I still see now where not only there's not I wouldn't say there's, there's less physical abuse, but there's some coaches that still go by that Bobby Knight uh, philosophy where you know they think it's discipline and you know they try to you know do backhand compliments and and, and put fear in the kids to get them to su- to succeed, and it's been proven that. You know, fear doesn't help you win ball games, and fear doesn't get the most performance out of anybody. So, I do understand you got to be stern with them. I understand kids look for discipline, um, but you, there's a fine line. And you know, when it starts to get you know abusive, either verbally or physically, then you know there's there's that's when people, other people, need to either step in or you need to step away for a minute and, and let cooler heads prevail. Yeah, and I mean, and we've seen in kind of it's probably more prevalent in youth sports. We hear all the time like coaches getting in the fight with parents <laughs> over young kids like like this is exactly why like this is a good example like you touch it, someone's kids like they don't like a parent doesn't care it's like you know i see you put your hands on my kid like we're fighting yeah and that, that's the society we live in but uh, we, we can go on a whole tangent about you know parents and coaches and parents doing silly stuff keep going though david and Continuing on with this loser segment, I'm going to put the Cleveland Browns here. And, of course, the storyline, because fans, fanatics, they always look to the referees and, oh, the referees cost us this game. No, the referees did not cost you the game. One, the replay showed on Monday morning, replay confirmed from three different angles, he was short for the first down. So there's that. I understand the fumble on Derek Carr that probably would have been returned for a touchdown, but then that is canceled out by the fact that Marshawn Lynch was wide open down the field. Probably no one was going to catch him, and that was called back. So that was tough. So those counterbalance. And then on top of that, the defense played poorly. The offense was, I mean, they were okay. But, like, they weren't the greatest things by sprint. And then special teams you were for. So, in all those other facets of the game, and especially the special team, and one, Jabril Peppers, who, ironically, this week said that the Cleveland Brown fans are wishy-washy and need to support, like, dude. Like, Cleveland Brown fans... First of all, they were questioning when they drafted you to begin with. So, you shouldn't have any room to talk. Like, they supported you when everyone else was like, why do we draft a returner, defender, safety, linebacker kind of guy? Yeah. But, yeah, that whole Cleveland Browns situation is just classic Brown. Yeah, it is. And the, and the final loser, I mentioned it during kind of the pick Josh Allen. Like, this, this is the Josh Allen that we all saw and expected to see coming out of Wyoming. And it's 
It's like Mitch Trubisky had his sixth touchdown game. It was kind of like an anomaly blip. Like Josh Allen's game against Minnesota it was more of a blip. Like the guy that we saw last week, that that's the Josh Allen that I fully expected coming out of college. And I think a lot of people who doubted him and questioned him because of his average performance at Wyoming would have saw. But yeah, it it's really unfortunate in Buffalo that their their best quarterback is now kind of in Cleveland mentoring another rookie quarterback. But they they rode the white they rode that hand and now play the hand that she does herself. Okay. Anything else? No, that nope. That is. This week's edition of Winners and Losers. All right, uh, Dave, we got that Winners and Losers. Coming up next, we're going to get into NBA preseason with the Eastern Conference with Dave the Man of God Harris. Make sure you always, 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 always check us out on After Further Review on the SoundCloud or on iTunes. Rate it, though, to us as well uh, here. So we're going to take a quick commercial break and then come up with the end. NBA preseason. I'm gonna be uh, interested to see what uh, David's got to say about the NBA preseason. See if our thoughts align with it. We'll be back after this. <laughs> 